this is it. So hi, I'm Connor Byrne, and this is That's What I Call Marketing, the podcast where you'll hear from the leading lights in the marketing world and listen to their unique insights. Today is a slightly different show. Uh, we're recording live in Dublin at HubSpot House, but thanks to HubSpot for, HubSpot for Startups. Now I get this right, the all-in-one CRM that scales as your startup grows. Now that's the little plug for HubSpot, HubSpot for Startups. Uh, a room filled with insight-led, customer-focused, brand-loving, pitch-perfected marketers and agencies. So thanks for joining us today. Uh, normally at this point, I do a bit of an introduction and kind of summary about what the show is about. And I normally record that after the episode. Given we I've no idea what we're about to talk about with Caroline, uh, I won't do that. I will just say we have an amazing guest. I kind of hounded Caroline to be a guest on the podcast. Brilliant timing as well, because it was just in kind of June in the run-up to the, the Women's World Cup, and Caroline gracefully uh, responded to me and said, another time. So... Um, <laughs> So we welcome our first guest, first ever guest for That's What I Call Marketing Live, Caroline Donnan. We catch everything there. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know you, you were Director of Brand and Marketing at Sky Ireland. Can you tell me just a little bit about how you got into, into the world of marketing? Yeah, and thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Um, so I am in marketing, I'm going to lie and just say about 15, 17 years in and around that space. <laughs> But um, I would have started out in banking, actually, for about uh, 16 or 17 years before I moved across to Sky. So I would have started my career in EBS, Building Society, at the time. And during a really interesting time when, obviously, the mortgage market was booming and we were um, obviously building up a brand um, for mortgages. And I would have worked across all of the different uh, product areas uh, in EBS, from mortgages to savings to personal loans to everything. So really got a great insight into the world of marketing across all different disciplines. It was quite a small team which meant you could flex in and out of the various different parts of marketing which is great and then I moved across to KBC Bank um, and again they were a corporate bank at the time so I was brought in to help launch a retail brand in Ireland so I learned so much in that. It was absolutely fascinating because there was there was no awareness of the brand at the time. It was often referred to as KFC. As opposed <laughs> to KFC. That was like your starting point. Um, but again, we just, we we capitalized on the momentum that was there um, at the time. It given, I think it was about 2012 when we went there and it just went from strength to strength. So I learned a lot there around building brands, resonating with consumers and launching various different products as part of that brand. And then... Um, January 2020, so just two months before COVID, I, I went <laughs> to Sky um, and I've never looked back. It's, I'm absolutely loving the role. So I'm, as you said, uh, brand and marketing director there. So responsible for the brand strategy for the brand in Ireland, because obviously we're part of a European brand, but also responsible for all of the product advertising across our products. And we've quite a few. So we've TV, yeah. uh, we've broadband, we've Prem, so Sky Sports and cinema, our VIP loyalty program. So every day is very different when it comes to working. In I can imagine. Can I touch a bit on KBC? Because I, I, KFC, I didn't know mm. that was a challenge for you. That, that's a great one. Um, but that was effectively a challenger brand. How did you how did you show up in the market kind of as that challenger brand? Like what were the things you were doing? Because like it was a you had legacy players like AAB, Bank of Ireland. How were you kind of trying to disrupt them? 
Yeah, and um, we were part of a Belgian-owned bank, but fortunately we were kind of left to build our own strategy, okay. uh, marketing and brand strategy in Ireland, which is great. So we would have been challenged by our board at the time to do something different. And if we wanted to be a challenge of brand, we needed to think different. So we actually went about looking for an agency to help us do that. Um, and uh, controversial, probably given room at the moment, <laughs> we went outside of Ireland. So um, we would have found an agency who was based in um, Amsterdam, but out of London. And and they just forced us to think differently. And right. they would have been the brainchild behind the platform, the Bank of View at the time, which we would have launched. So we very much tried to be different in terms of our advertising and our marketing, but also the proposition that we're putting out there. So we were the first bank to offer a digital first offering. So that was even pre what you have at Revolut here today, a digital first in terms of mortgages. So it wasn't just about the marketing. It was about the proposition that we had in market as well. And, and so you as a marketing team had that opportunity to kind of think and create those of new propositions, new product offerings in the market. Yeah. And it was quite a small team um, as when you look at the wider group of KVC. So it was all hands on deck and it was all disciplines coming together to try and figure out how we can do things differently. And budgets, I'm guessing as well, would have been significantly smaller than your competitors in the marketplace. How did you, how did you approach that? Like was the, was your media strategy incredibly different to them? Or were you disrupting in that way as well? Yeah, look, we had a really good agency as well at the time who did think differently and pushed us to be quite innovative in what we were doing. But also, I think with the Bank of View, it was a master brand, essentially. So it meant that probably what others didn't have the opportunity was we were very consistent in what we were saying and doing. And um, when you looked at other brands at the time, they maybe weren't doing that to, to the extent we were. So that allowed us to cut through even further. Did did the timing of it help, like coming out of out of the crisis, I guess, and then this new offering, was that in any way helpful? Like, did that come through in the research at all that like this new offering was appealing? Yeah, and you're really testing my memory here. <laughs> 2012, but absolutely. And I think a lot of research we did at the time, they were saying, because we remember they just come out of a very difficult yeah. time and we weren't Irish, which helped. And they were obviously saying, we are, it's time for something new and it's time for something different. And they were very favorable towards KBC and what we're offering. One of the things with financial services is regulation and dealing with I mean most radio ads and financial services are 50% terms and conditions and um, how did you deal with that creatively were you able to or did you just kind of go look something we have to do and how did you deal with kind of the regulator of the industry I think and there's regulation in every industry we see it ourselves even in terms of sky but I think it's it's choosing the mediums that help you in the best way possible so radio it was never really the best channel for us to use when it came to yeah. talking, let's say, about mortgages or current account, because to your point, half of the ad is T's and C's, yeah. which no one wants to hear. Um, so you probably would have leaned into the, let's say, print or digital that maybe had a more of a long format, a long form format that helped you to do it. So it was just picking the medium that basically complemented the product that you're promoting. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a huge challenge. I think, was it, I can't remember, was it maybe Rabo? bank that did some creative i think actually brando did that work around the terms and conditions trying to incorporate it into the ad and make it a little bit more interesting because yeah. it was incredibly boring <laughs> and even i recently i heard an ad um and they led with the terms and conditions first oh really tackled it up front and said look with our industry we have to talk about it did the t's and c's that bits out of the way and let's talk about the good stuff so you're kind of ending on a high which was interesting take on it is, is that unique i don't know but is that unique to this market or is that the same in other I hadn't heard that one before I yeah. hadn't heard where they'd switched it that way do you mean you need the regulation though like those terms and conditions because I, I, again I just don't know and I'm just wondering if other markets have to deal with that I think banking is heavily heavily yeah. regulated anyway probably um, across most most countries um, I'm thinking about like the attention we get from mm. 
you know, in advertising, even in radio ads, like, you know, making sure that people know who it's for and there's no misattribution. You know, that's kind of an interesting thing that you've to, you have to add that on doing it first. I'm sure they've tested it, whoever, yeah, whoever it was, sure the joys of testing. So you moved to Sky Ireland and a, a big shift in terms of sector, I guess. But as you kind of alluded to some some similarities in terms of, you know, proposition, you know, different types of customers and, you know, lots of lots of offerings to try to get across to consumer. Um, was that one of the, I guess, appeals maybe of moving, you know, to a different sector, but being able to bring that kind of experience of kind of the proposition and the offering? Yeah. And like I'd been in banking about 17 years. So and I'd, I'd moved across to various different organizations who are quite different, but I felt I'd learned everything I needed to right. from a financial services point of view. And then the opportunity for Sky came along and it's such an amazing yeah. brand. Um, so I, I, I couldn't say no to it. And I think I remember at the interview at the stage, my boss at the time saying it's a totally different industry. How do you think you'll adapt? And in my naivety, I was like, well, marketing's marketing. Yeah. And then you head into Sky and it's like a world of different language and, and how they speak about things in terms of the internal conversation. So but it is marketing is marketing and it's what you're bringing across the principles that you've learned over your career and other roads um, across. But you do. It's a new industry. So you have to, to learn the the product um before you can figure out how best to market it so what were some of those key differences because i'm really interested because i you know probably share a view that marketing is marketing and you should be able to to do it uh, you know and you see it many different types of clients so what were the, some of the big differences you had to get your head around a lot of it was internal and, right. and the conversation not even the conversations but how we call things and the terminology around things and broadband is a very complex market and um, which obviously we sell as well as tv so it's just trying to understand the product and the ins and outs of it and um, but then marketing is the same you just need to it's probably more the internal side of things yeah i remember when we were at indeed we had a our smb product was internally known as dradus because whoever the developer was at the time was in into Battlestar Galactica, I think, and called it Dreadus. I remember the first couple of months there going, "What are they talking about? I, I haven't a clue." And it took me quite quite a while. And you're then sitting in the meeting, you're looking, "Go, this about SMB? So Dreadus has something to do with SMB." And then somebody somebody let slip. So that's that internal terminology can be really a steep learning curve. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for months I was like, what is FTTH, which is fibre to the home broadband? I was like, what okay. are you talking yeah. about? So that's yeah. in every industry, but it's just when you move when you move industries, it's probably learning the language of that as opposed to marketing. Itself. And one of the things when I was talking to Rita Kirwan of Aldi, she said to me, um, she talked about uh, something to do with shipments. And she said she had absolutely no idea what she was asked to do, but she went and just figured it out. I think that curiosity you know, innate in marketers, you know, helps us kind of go, well, okay, I don't know what to talk about. I just need to figure this out. Cause no question is a stupid question for the first few months and then possibly it is. So and, it's, it's, it's learning your way yeah. quickly. And people could argue after this, that there are stupid questions, but yeah, we, <laughs> we'll fire that on. Um, interesting. Like Sky is obviously, you know, it's, it's a huge brand, um, but kind of a big association maybe with, with the UK. How do the, how does that relationship work with, with the UK? Yeah, look, that's a really interesting question. And it's probably something that I um, had to get my head around when I first joined. Because to my point, when I worked with KBC, whilst we were a part of a Belgian-owned company, we were responsible yeah. for our own brand strategy. But that's not necessarily the same in the UK. And at many times it's right because there's so many similarities between the UK audience and the Irish audience. There's also great efficiencies in terms of us adapting a lot of the creative that the UK can do. Um, but it's probably something we've challenged a lot yeah. um, over the past 18 months and two years to really take a step back. Because when you look at the market today, particularly the TV market in Ireland, 
it has become so complex and very cluttered. So traditionally, it was probably more your pay TV market or to pay TV providers. Whereas now, particularly with COVID, there's this explosion of streaming services. Yeah. So you have Disney, you have Amazon, you have Netflix. So if it's a more cluttered market and it's harder to cut through, we need to make sure that whatever we were creating was cutting through and connecting well with Irish consumers. I always remember we did some research and it's a stat that really sticks with me. We were researching a new prop coming to market and it was with Irish consumers and it was testing some of the UK creative and they were saying 67% said that in order to buy or purchase from us, the communications needs to feel and look relevant to the Irish audience. Right. So that was probably our jumping off point going. It doesn't make sense that we adapt everything. So Sky yes. Sports, for example, yeah. Premier League start a season, it's, it's universal, but there's certain campaigns or, or product marketing strategies that we need to localize. So we've probably been on a journey for that over the past 18 months. Um, we've had some great success stories, which is why we're probably now able to do more of it. Um, so we launched Sky Glass last year, which is us Sky entering into the TV hardware yeah. business. And we would have done something bespoke and it did phenomenally well for us. We've had Out Believe, which is our partnership with the women's national football team. I'm smiling as I say it yeah. because it's yeah, lots to talk about there. Um, and that has done so much for us in terms of building up a stronger affinity of the Sky brand um, with Irish consumers. And we've always had a strong affinity, but how can you grow that love for the brand even more? Yeah, and as you say, the more complicated and cluttered the market gets, you know, you need that, that connection on an emotional level. So let's come on to the sponsorship because one of the big things I wanted to talk to you about uh, today. So I'd love to talk to you about the reasonings, you might have touched on it now, but the reasons behind the sponsorship, there's lots of different reasons brands go into sponsorship. Some of it's just, you know, we do your badging or you want to kind of affinity or, or whatever. It's what was the what was the core business problem Sky Ireland were trying to solve? Yeah, and I think we were probably looking for a partnership for a while at that stage. Right. Um, and I think the problem we were trying to solve is there was probably a couple of them. One was how we can build that that stronger affinity with the Sky brand in Ireland with Irish consumers and, and kind of strengthen that connectivity and back to the fact that it was a cluttered space. So how do we make sure we're cutting through? And I think when it's a cluttered space and it's a, it's a challenging market in terms of sales, you tend to go quite product marketing focused, which yeah. is fine. But we wanted to have a brand platform that allowed us to talk about what Sky stood for. Because when we looked at our strategy, it was very product focused. So we wanted something that taught, led us to talk to consumers in Ireland on an ongoing basis. Um, so they were kind of the main reasons. And we also wanted something that allowed us to talk to a younger audience. Okay. Um, when we looked at our customer profile, we felt we needed to talk maybe to a younger audience, females, young families. So um, then this uh, partnership came along and it was it was an easy yes um, and I think for a couple of reasons, I think when you looked at the team and what they were trying to achieve. Yeah. So again, we, we signed the partnership or we announced it. So we were the first ever primary partner of the women's national football team. We announced that in September 21. So they'd just come out of COVID. Obviously, sports had had stalled. So they were trying to build back up momentum. They just signed um, a deal for equal pay with, with the men's team right, yeah. in that August. And we came with September, which was unbelievable. So you could really see the ambition and the passion behind this team. And it would also very much fed into our objectives at a group level around inclusivity and, and uh, diversity as well. And we had an objective, obviously, as Sky Sports and Broadcasting Sports that we wanted to showcase women in sports and um, and sports uh, of that women are playing. So it was absolutely something that we wanted to sign up to, and we did, as I say, in twenty one. You told me a bit about the, the, that process because you, you've alluded to it's not straightforward. Of you know, oh, this comes and it's magic, and you know, you went through. You were looking at partnerships. What was the process that you were you went through to kind of find the right partner? 
Yeah, some of it's structured and some of it's not, some of it's luck. Right. Um, and I think we probably you, we probably looked ourselves and then we engaged with some agencies to help us look. Um, and we were going through what was what suited our brand and, and I yeah. suppose back to your earlier question, what was the problem we were trying to solve? Um, so you kind of have your criteria, your checklist of what you're looking for. And then it's going out to see what's available in market. You need to make sure there's no conflict of interest. Um, and then it comes to luck as well. And, and I think we got really lucky with, with WNT. Did the, the timing of things like the equal pay, was that one of the things you were looking at and asking about in the process or was that just maybe a bit of luck as well? Yeah, no, it wasn't something we were we were looking for. I think we were probably, it was back to the ambition of the team right? Um, and what they were fighting for. So this is a team of women who fought off the pitch as well as on the pitch. And what I mean by off the pitch, obviously the equal pay, but also they were fighting to get equal, um, I suppose, like when you think about the, what the men's team were getting in terms of the facilities yeah. and the training grounds. They were fighting for all of that so that they could get parity with the men's. So they had huge ambition and it's something that we really bought into. And we wanted to try and help capitalize on what they were creating and help them to go even further again. And then they go and uh, they qualify for their first ever major tournament <laughs> with the World Cup. You, you created some some great work around it. And so the launch of the partnership. Um, can you talk me through you know, that? Like what was the... What was the insight that led you to that work? You you had the the line out, believe, you know, how did that come about and what did it what did it mean? Yeah, and I think for us from the beginning, um, and there's a lot of people in the room here today who've helped us between my own team and then Core, who are obviously the creative agency or brainchild, as I call them behind their believe. <laughs> um, but we from the beginning we always said that we never wanted this just to be a badging exercise. So it yeah. wasn't just about putting Sky on the logo of the jerseys and walking away. As I said, they were a team that were on the cusp of something really special and you could see that. And we wanted to help them to go even further. And we did a bit of research at the time and I think a stat that really came out that, that resonated with us was that 54% of people felt that they wanted to support the women's team, which is great. However, when you looked at who was showing up to the games yeah. or the viewership figures of TV on play, watch showing the uh, viewing the games that didn't correlate and when we delve deeper to go okay you're saying you want to support but we're not seeing it necessarily what is it and they were just saying they didn't know enough about the team so there wasn't that connection yeah, right, between okay. the team and the players and what their ambition was going to be so we wanted to create a brand platform to showcase what the, who the team were who the individual players were what their ambition was how far they wanted to get and that's what I believe was about. And when we look at the idea behind I believe, it was again back to how how much they'd fought off the pitch as well as on the pitch. So for us, it's all about um, defining their amb- their ambition, their attitude, their strength, um, and they've outbelieved every barrier that has been put in front of them. And we wanted to essentially create a rallying call for the entire nation to get behind them. That's um, and and then it continued into the work that you did kind of before the actual World Cup that you know the wonderful lad with the yeah. the young girl and yeah. kind of the the group of death or you know yeah. was that kind of a, just a continuation was that planned all the time or you know not all the time but as soon as they they qualified or how did that come Good about question because I think it's quite different to probably yes. the first I add or outbelieve one point zero as we call it um. <laughs> which is probably a bit more raw and had a bit of attitude and grit to it. But we probably, I don't know if you've ever been to any of the women's um, football team, of the football games in Tallinn Stadium, but it's it's such an amazing experience and atmosphere. And it's it's full of kids, yeah. young boys, young girls. It's full of families and parents. So it's a real family kind of event. And what you notice is the players, they always stay on after the pitch 
and they always walk around the entire pitch and they go over and they engage with the fans. They sign autographs, they take photographs. So there's always a lovely connection between the fan and the player, which is what we wanted to highlight as part of the World Cup campaign. So you mentioned that that young girl and it was all around the starting point of that ad was she's sitting down and she sees Amber Barrett score that famous goal that gets us to the World yeah. Cup and she's amazed, but she's not quite sure what she's amazed about. And then she goes on the journey to find out more about the team and starts believing in them even more. Um, and then it gets them to the World Cup. So for us, it was all around that connection between the fan and the player because the fan is um, a huge part of, of the road that gets them the, the team to where they are. In some ways, you probably couldn't have done the second ad without the first ad. I know that sounds really stupid probably, but you know, it, you, had to, you had to create that connection with people because I, I would imagine a huge percentage of the population just didn't even know who the players were. They may have known one or two of the names. Mm. So actually having that, initial platform of not just announcing the partnership which is obviously very important but kind of connecting people to it allowed you go further and deeper kind of into more emotion with the second piece and that's exactly it because of our first execution of the ad and indeed at a home and other um, channels that we used you'll see the players are front and centre yeah. even in the at a home you have the three players and obviously they're they're connecting visually with, with consumers so we wanted to I suppose to hero who those players are and then you're right then we can transition into the role of the fan as part of that you're obviously reading all the system one stuff you know, yes. the eyes <laughs> um, obviously there's more to a sponsorship than just you know announcing it you know obviously you've a great platform with, with sky but you went broader and you know the ad appeared appeared everywhere but then there was other other activations how did you between i think the the announcement and the world cup how did you how do you keep it alive how do you continue to activate because it's a hard thing to do yeah and i think it's back to one of our objectives as the brand is how can we create a platform always on to connect with Irish consumers and grow that affinity and that's what we wanted to do so you can't we could didn't so we think the world cup and this year for example we didn't just want to create a one moment around the World Cup of July and August and that's it. So we created a full programme for 12 months and it was across all of the different areas. And what's lovely about it, working in Sky is that all the teams come together. This is the one thing they all really want to work on. So you have a right. lot of people and it's interesting, Corsaid as well on the agency side, they have people who aren't even working on this coming up saying, can I get involved? So we had Pure coming together. We had our marketing team come together with social. So it was a full 360 plan and we kind of built it around what we call firework moments. So when it's most topical for the team so key games qualifying games tournaments etc so we would have started the campaign so the world cup was in july we started the campaign in earnest in march um, and what we did is we linked it to our vip loyalty program so what we did is we went out to our existing customers they knew we had this partnership and gave them a chance to win tickets to go to australia yeah. so a lucky family got over win. to yeah, <laughs> neither did I. To the last game, um, they also got a chance to be walk out and be a mascot on the games pre the World Cup in Tala, um, and they got to go to some of the training camps as well. So again, you're you're building that loyalty with your fan base as well as in our our customers, but you're also getting out talking about it earlier than the World Cup itself. So that would have been our jumping off point. And then obviously, um, we had a, a big event for the team before they headed off to Australia, and we had it in the Mansion House. So we would have um, invited the team themselves. We obviously invited fans. We invited customers as well. Um, and what we did that night, it was the night before we launched the ad, we showed it to the team. Which oh, is wow. Always the most they hadn't seen it. They hadn't seen it. It's always the most nerve-wracking part of the process because they can be, uh, they're very honest with you, which is good. <laughs> and they love it. They always love it, which is great. Um, so we pre-launched it with them and then we pre-launched it on social. So kind of a sneak preview before it went live on, on uh, TV the next day. So we had that event again, which got a bit of longevity. And then throughout the World Cup itself, 
we were conscious it was in Australia due to yeah. a huge time difference. So our role was to get people energized here in Ireland. Um, so what we would have done was we've obviously um, some flagship stores, uh, retail stores across Ireland. So we would have had watch parties. So again, it coincided with summer holidays. People were off. So encourage families to come in and watch it, uh, which worked really well for us. Yeah. Always good as well from a commercial point of view to get people in into our stores. And then we were also conscious that we weren't broadcasting it, um, but we wanted to own a second screen, um, both from a social point of view, but also radio, obviously huge listenership figures in Ireland. So we teamed up with Dermot and Dave, yeah. or Dermot and Dave at the time, and yeah. it's Dave on Today <laughs> FM, and they bought the Outbelieve Tour to Australia. So they uh, went over to Australia, they uh, broadcasted live from Australia, and they were at all three games. Um, they might not got into the stadium at all of them, but they definitely found an Irish pub to, oh, be yeah. able to broadcast live from it. So what they could do was, well, I suppose, show the Irish people at home the energy. And it was amazing energy over there um, and to try and get them more engaged. Um, and they got some interviews with the fans. They got some interviews with the players. So a bit of behind the scenes footage as well. Yeah, no, they were brilliant. And I know Alan was here and we, we worked at Dermot and Dave and, you know, they, they have that connection with you know with their audience and it was very natural and and light and, and also um i don't know if i mentioned we we were in cork during the summer and it was a miserable day and we were going to the cinema and the, one of the matches was on and we went in to the sky store and we were sitting in the sofas watching the match and we were actually we were watching in the sky glass and dara's here and, and Gemma, they can attest to this and we were looking at it going god that product's brilliant you know and so it actually because I think that's that probably is a challenge for for Sky is how you actually get people to properly interact with, particularly those new products and really seeing them. Like there's lots of different variations of color and stuff that you can get, but that's probably doesn't come across in, in advertising. How do you? That was a great way of getting people in store. Are there other things you do to kind of engage people to get them in store? I mean, it's a challenge. A WNT point of view. No, just a, a general point of view because I assume that's a. A hard thing. Yeah, and I think because I mean a lot of people are obviously choosing online as yeah. well, and and uh, but I think from a retail point of view, the locations that we are are chosen for a reason, and they're quite high footfall locations. Um, and we've flagship stores, and we've also mid mall stores. But um, again, I think it's back to a lot of the locations, and we have a lot of high footfall in those areas like Dundrum Shopping Centre, Swords Pavilions. So they're naturally tending to walk by, and then it's the retail agents bringing them in and having the right offers on display at the time as well. You would have obviously worked with a lot of different agencies um, for the campaign for um, I Believe. How did that work? Because we were at an event last week and one of the things that came up, it was CMO survey, that things that CMOs are looking for is better interactions and relationships with, with their agencies. So how did you make that happen? It's probably the one that I look at from our campaigns that we've nailed it because we don't always, okay. if I'm honest. And it's maybe it's back to everyone wants to work on it, but it's the one that we really do have interagency collaboration. And it's not just a buzz where we actually do get it. So we have our PR agency, we have our media agency, we have our creative agency who come together, you brief them together and they come back with one response and they come back with one plan and they implement it. So out of all the campaigns that we do in Sky, I think that's the one definitely that um, we've seen to, to nail it. So how do you do it elsewhere then? Or, or you know, obviously it isn't perfect. So are there, are there things that you, you look to try to do? Um, I mean, that one briefing is great, but that's when you have kind of a singular focus you can get everybody around. Are there, are there other things you try to do to kind of make that collaboration better? You know, people say the minute you win the client is when you start losing it. I don't think it should be that way, you know, and it's kind of those small percentages of maybe breakdown in communication sometimes that cause problems between agencies and clients. But I don't think you can always always put it on the agency. Oh, completely, some, yeah. 
like if I think of how we're structured, like we'd be responsible for marketing, but we've our PR team as well. And we need to make sure that we're coming together and consistent in the brief that we're giving to agencies because if we're not, they're not going to come yeah. back with, with a consistent brief. So I think we've probably worked a lot on that as well. Um, and I think it's just making sure that internally you're signed up to the right brief. You're clear on what you're asking the agency for, getting them together to come as one brief and like making sure, encouraging them to communicate inside and outside of briefs. It doesn't have to be just when we're briefing them or yeah. when they're coming back. Yeah. It's it's that on, ongoing and open communication. And I think definitely like having worked in agencies and then having gone client side, there was that realization of, you know, what happens on both mm. sides and you mm. kind of go, oh, that's why they went silent for three weeks because on the client side, you're dealing with all the, want of a better word, politics or, or you know, everyone has, everyone has a view need to kind of get, get by in. But from an agency, you're like, it's, it's gone quiet. I don't, you know, you don't know what's happening. And then all of a sudden it's back on and you need to do it in three days. And so it's that, I agree with you. It's not, it's not a one-sided thing. And I think, you know, clients could probably, we can do a, a better job communicating, I think, and just making sure people have that, that information. Um, and particularly around, metrics and results and so as attached to the the i believe campaign sky is a hugely commercial business what were the metrics you were looking at yeah and we probably metrics both on the sky side and, and the the wnt or the women's national team side and i think on sky it was all around our starting point was growing brand affinity and we've seen a particular increase um over, over, I won't say percentage, but we've seen a good increase, particularly of those people who are aware of our sponsorship, but also fans of the team. So we're definitely building up a connectivity amongst those two cohorts. Um, interestingly, we've also seen when we're live, and when you think about it, I believe it doesn't mention a product at all. Yeah. Um, but what we see is an increase in people considering us for TV when we're out with our master brand and also um, sports and broadband. So it's having that a halo impact, even though it's not mentioned in product any product across our actual demand for the products that we have. So um, that's been really great to see. And I think then when we look at it from a, the, the objectives we would ourselves set ourselves for the team itself, back to we wanted to try and create a platform to showcase the team so we could increase attendance at games. That's having record attendance at games. I just was came back, I was at the Aviva game on say, Saturday, yeah. which when you think about it, they normally play in Tala, which is a capacity of 7,000. They were playing in Aviva for the first ever time, which is capacity of 50,000. And they got over 35,000 yeah. people there. And I think there was... 1500 Northern Ireland fans and the rest were <laughs> so that's yeah. huge so definitely we're, I think that's a really core metric of ours also people the viewership figures are up as well which is brilliant but also we did some research there in March to see um, how that fandom is growing and what was really good to see is that one in five people were coming back to say that because of the growth of women and, and the WNT that they're now starting to take up sport themselves and two in five were encouraging their kids to take up um, kids football as well so it's great to see that your attendance gone up your viewership but also participation too. Yeah, We couldn't get our daughter into the local football team because of that was just such an interest you, I mean you, you smiled when we started talking about this you must feel incredibly proud I know it's not all you but like do you have that sense of real pride that this is something special oh yeah I, like hand and heart's the best thing I've ever worked on in my career absolutely right. and you can see it with my team they absolutely love it and uh, it's it's not all about awards but it's always nice to get them and we were lucky to pick up three European sponsorship awards as well for I believe which was phenomenal, phenomenal. Um, but for us now it's what's next and it's we're two years into a four-year partnership. So how can we amplify it even further? So they've come out of the World Cup. Next step is the Euros. Um, so how we can try and get behind them even further and get the country behind them as well. They deserve it. Yeah, and that that keeping it fresh but consistent, you know, is is a is a challenge. And again, there's the gaps between matches and games. So are are you just kind of in that planning phase now? Kind of the yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, exactly. We had a, we had an activation around the Aviva as well, but now we're definitely working with our agencies, Core and Fleischmann and Mediacom to see how can we now um, expand it further into next year it's, and what's the next iteration of I Believe. Yeah, it's, and it's incredible. I mean, it, our kids are like all kids play FIFA and you know, I see our boys playing the Women's World Cup and playing the Irish team. They know the players. Our youngest had not an Irish player, but like a Sam Kerr. That shift, like it's phenomenal. And, you know, again, not all down to, to Sky Ireland, but it the right time, the right place and the right investment. It's incredible what, what it's achieved. Yeah. And it's down to the team themselves. Yeah. They're a phenomenal bunch of, of women and the management team and the FAI and all of that. So it's, um, it's, it's uh, you can feel it. It's, it's onwards we go again. And there's a lot more in that team. Brilliant. You, you talked about awards mm. uh, and I just wanted to talk to you a bit about, about this. So the team won uh, marketing team of the year. Yeah. Um, so congratulations on that. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very intentional thing. Can you talk to me a bit about, about the intent? As in going for it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting one because I'm, I'm three years in the role and when I look at the team, it's such a different team t- to when I first joined. And um, and I'll talk on that and on, on how it's changed at the moment. And we probably had conversations over the past few years. Are we ready? Do we have the story? Do we have the results? And we probably felt maybe not yet. And then this year we came together and we're like, this is it. Absolutely. I think we've our best shot at it. I think last year, because we've made a lot of changes again, which I'll mention, that got us to a lot of successes last year. I mentioned, obviously, we launched Sky Glass, yeah. which was new into a new product category. We had Out Believe, and we did, we did a, um, a, a huge amount of bespoke campaigns that we hadn't before as well, which was helping with our with our sales results too. So I kind of felt this this was the year, this was the right time. So um, And we had the story to back it up because I think what we focused on that submission and what our story was was kind of three three core areas that we looked at. And I think to touch on them, the first one was around how we could build the right team for success. So I mentioned it's quite a different team to what when I first joined. And like when I looked two years ago, our team, half the team was based in our London office. Half the team for Ireland. The marketing team and half the team was here. And again, that's probably due to the link that we had with adapting a lot of the UK campaigns. But it's very hard to build a team and a culture and to unify the team if, if there's that distance. So we would have looked at things there and obviously COVID a lot of, there were a lot of Irish people came home. One of them was in the audience here today that she came back naturally. So that, so that, that supported that. But so what I wanted to do was try and create a structure that had us um, all, all locally as best we could, but also then we were probably a team that was spread across multiple different areas. And at times when that happens, you can't come back, you can't come together and build one plan. So we established our first a, a marketing directorate within Sky Ireland. Okay. Um, there wasn't, a marketing director there before um, and then we built the team around that and and we've probably built something I think is quite unique to Sky Europe the Sky European brand but also in some of the marketing teams here today that we have like teams of specialists so we've created like media teams okay. who are media specialists that we've recruited both agency and client side and again we've a creative team and they are again agency and um, um, marketing disciplines as well. And I think what that does is they're very focused on their areas, but also they can challenge the norm because they have agency experience as well. So I think that that's really helped. So our first foundation was to build the right structure, uh, which we did. And that's that's uh, then we moved on to the next two. How just hand that because that's really interesting. How did you identify that as kind of the right structure? Because I think that's a huge thing people struggle with is like, what is the right structure? for my team and if it was a legacy how did you go about changing it as well 
Yeah, and I don't know if you ever land on the right structure. I think it <laughs> tends, tends to change a lot and adapt, um, which you need to. But I think based on the objectives that we had in front of us, um, I think we knew we needed to have people who were focused primarily on creative and media, but that they need to come together all the time. Um, and I think it probably felt right given the space where the brand was at that time um, and what we how we wanted to step change it and trying to localize it a bit more. So onto the other elements. Yeah. So the other piece then, again, as I mentioned, was about how can we grow greater affinity of the Sky brand here in Ireland today? And I probably touched on a lot of that already with Without Believe and what we've done there. And again, that was to... We were already like our awareness wasn't an issue for us. Yeah. We have huge awareness. But how did we try and strengthen the affinity of the brand? So that was probably the, the second part. And then the third part, as I mentioned already, was a hugely cluttered space that we we're operating in. It was getting even busier and busier. And um, budgets are always going to be um, restrictive, particularly in the environment that we're in at the moment. So we just need to see what was the right marketing strategy from a local perspective. And that's when we really started trying to champion stronger local autonomy um, for the Irish right. team here in Ireland, which was kind of the, the third pillar that we went after. So number one, set up the right team for success. Number two, let's grow even better brand affinity with Irish consumers. And number three, let's try to start creating a product marketing strategy that was really going to cut through with consumers. And that's not to say what we were doing wasn't, but how could you strengthen that even further? Yeah, and I guess there's elements of it, like you guys probably what we might call the sales activation pieces do their job, right? And they don't necessarily need that localization, but that kind of emotional connection. How how did you go about that piece? Because that seems to me like not just to convince CEO here, who maybe was already bought in, I don't know, but convince him, then convince is the UK that you have to convince. Like, how, how did you go about making that case? It's a hard one to do. But again, it's not about changing everything. It doesn't make sense. There's no efficiencies in that, considering like the UK make amazing campaigns. So back to what I was saying around start of season or Christmas cinema campaigns, um, they all make sense that we can adapt because there's a lo- there's a synergy in terms of the insight. But where it should be bespoke and where is the business case to do that, for example, I believe, I think if you can build a business case, have the data points as to why you're, you want to do it, I think at times it can be um pretty straightforward and you have that research which exactly. obviously helped and then the success i guess exactly do you have yeah. the uk team looking to you now and going yeah <laughs> an amazing space to be so um we've some of the uk teams now utilizing the campaigns we've created over in in their markets as well which is uh, lovely to see that's great it yeah. goes to show the you know the, the quality of the the work and, and the team when did you start seeing i mean you talked about knowing when the time was right to maybe go for the award but when did you start seeing the shift the change going we're on the right track? It's a good question. I probably started seeing it probably at the back end of last year, the start of this year. Um, we could see just even in terms of the affinity scores for the brand, consideration for the brand, our own team scores. So our people scores, we measure them on an annual basis. We could start to see them starting to move up. Um, so I just kind of, and sales also were, were performing well on the back of the campaigns that we were producing as well from a local that perspective. That helps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I think you could, yeah, could feel the momentum coming. And as I said, when we all sat down, we all came together as a team to figure out what our goal was for the year. And we collectively landed on, we really want to go for team of the year. Um, didn't know we'd fully get it, um, but was delighted, obviously, when we were awarded on the night. Yeah, it's inc- incredible to have that ambition, communicate, have everybody going for it. And um, now you've won that, you've won sponsorship awards, you know, it, it, a height that you're, you're at. How do you... How do you keep going and, and, and where next? Yeah, and it's fun. We're, we're literally asking ourselves again, like, geez, do you go for team of the year again? Is that, <laughs> is that a, a 
a difficult challenge. But I think it's for us, and we've we've probably created quite an open and supportive culture, and we challenge ourselves both within the team, but also um, outside of our team and our agency. So it's constantly challenging. How can we do things differently, better? Push ourselves constantly, whether it's creative campaigns, whether it's media strategies. Um, so I think it's just the culture we've created. We just want to keep going and getting better and better. Okay, but not sure where exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like <listen>. what the... <laughs> I mean, surely there's a European team of the year we can go after. Something there you like go. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Global. Can we see you there, Colin? Keep an eye out for Can next summer. Um, so uh, we're here, obviously, in HubSpot, and HubSpot for startups are, are hosting us. I often think about people listening to the podcast who may not have the budgets of Sky or you know other big big players. What kind of advice would you give to maybe you know a startup or a scaling business you know, about how they might think about their marketing so it might be you know someone who's a marketing team of, of one and a really small budget big to them but you know maybe in, in the terms of what you might be used to what kind of things would you say to somebody who's in that position and you know how they might think about the right things to do for their brand I think there's probably a couple of things. I think I'd say start with the insight, find out exactly who you're talking to, whether it's looking at your existing customers or looking at who you want to go after. What do they want from you? How can you target them? Where are they consuming their media? So you know exactly where you're going to and you're, so you're kind of trying to minimize the, the wastage there as well. But I think also not everything needs to be a big TV ad. Yeah. And we challenge ourselves as well. We're leaning a lot more into social and digital and, 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 and as most brands should look at it. So you don't have to think at that scale. You can do a lot of things, um, particularly now with the growth of digital and the channels that are available. You can do a lot of things a lot more efficiently as well. Yeah, and thinking about your brand and every experience that a customer has with you, you know, beyond just, as you say, the, the TV ad. That's a, that's a wonderful place to be, but we, we, all, we all aren't there. Um, incredibly busy world and again one of the things that came out of that CMO survey was relentless pace and um, how do you how do you decompress from the relentless pace of being marketing director um do you I do <laughs> I do I switch off for me sports is my switch off point um I love sports I probably exercise nearly every day whether it's going for a run whether it's doing yoga um so I definitely think for me, and you can feel it when you have a stressful day, you get out for a run and you clear the head and sometimes you have the problem solved by the time you get home. Yeah. Not all the time, but for me, it's definitely sport. It's travel. Love to travel. Um, further afield I can go, the better. So um, I just, like most people, catching up with friends, nice dinners, but definitely uh, sports and travel. Right. And sw- switching off the phone. Yes. Yeah. Do you do it? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Caroline, thank you so much for being our first ever that's what I call marketing live guest. I really appreciate. Round of applause for Caroline. Thank you. So that's it for this episode of That's What I Call Marketing. Uh, Caroline was just an incredible guest, really open, honest, with some incredible insights into, you know, why such an important campaign uh, for the women's national team in Ireland happened, the insight behind it um, and creating the right culture for an award-winning team. So um, if you are listening uh, to this episode, don't forget to to subscribe and share and um, you will get notified of when our next episode comes, which is also live. So for this episode, I'm your host, Connor Byrne. Thanks very much.